We good? Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Good morning. Uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Tyson. I got to be one of the pastors on this amazing team here at Callwood Church. Hi, Sean. Thanks for welcoming me. Well, this, this past year and a half have been a massive learning experience for many reasons. And if you are new with us today or if you haven't been with us over the last couple of weeks, we are in a series called My COVID Teacher, where we are looking at the lessons that can be extracted from our time together under our teacher called COVID. Now, did you ever have a teacher in school that you did not like? Anyone? In grade four... I had a teacher that I wasn't the biggest fan of, and at the time, Pokemon cards were really big. And so I made her her own personalized Pokemon card, calling her the Dragon Lady. <laughs> Teachers everywhere, I'm sorry, you don't deserve students like that. Not the most respectful thing in hindsight. And needless to say, she ended up finding her signature Pokemon card, and I got in big trouble. Now, I bring that up to say it's okay to not love this teacher that we are sitting under and learning from in this past season, but there are still many lessons that we can learn together. And instead of staying frustrated, instead of being angry or disappointed about this season, we're taking time to ask God, what can we learn through this season of COVID? Are there any lessons that we can apply? And Pastor Sean, over the last couple of weeks, has looked at how our, our relationships have been affected during COVID and the noise that is around us. And if you haven't listened to them, I'd encourage you to go check out those messages. They're, they're great messages for us of how we can learn from our COVID teacher around those topics. And today we're going to learn another subject from our COVID teacher. And as we begin our conversation this morning, I want to start with a question. Has, has anyone felt like over the last year and a half that having conversations with people is kind of like trying to avoid stepping on landmines? Anyone? I mean, you're having a normal conversation with someone, a great conversation, and then a word like mask or COVID comes up, and the conversation turns explosive. And you get people's hottest takes that you didn't even know that they had, but they are willing to share them with you. And over this last season, words have become charged and conversations have become hostile at times. Let me list a few landmines that I've noticed in conversation with people. COVID, masks, vaccines, vaccine passports, government, restrictions, lockdowns, church. All right, now everyone take a deep breath in. Hand out, okay. In talking with people about these topics and these subjects, I've noticed it was not uncommon for me over the course of a week to talk to people from our church and talk about a subject and hear people on completely different sides. Why is the church open? Why is the church not more open? Why are people wearing masks? Why aren't more people wearing masks? Why is the government restricting us? Why is the government letting our church do that? Over the last year and a half, I have fielded more questions, calls, emails than I ever thought I would about public health and our church's position on public health orders. And it was during this season that I, as I reflected on it, here's what I noticed. It feels like more than ever in my lifetime, people are polarized and divided. 
Maybe it was there before, but it was kind of an undercurrent, and COVID was like this pressure cooker that brought it out to the surface, and now it's in the midst of almost every conversation that we have. I've listened to people from our church family share about how friendships and family relationships are divided and difficult right now. I've even heard of churches that have divided in this last season. Both inside and outside the church, it feels like the divides between people are getting bigger and bigger, and we are more polarized than ever before. We are willing to cancel or dehumanize people that we disagree with on a whole host of issues. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning. What do we do with all of the division and polarization that we are experiencing right now? And how do we approach people who we disagree with? All right, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. That's Ephesians 2, verse 11. If you don't have your Bibles with you, uh, it'll be on the screens for you this morning. Verse 11 starts this way. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create for himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Would you pray with me as we've read God's word this morning? Father, I pray that we would see your heart for people that we disagree with today. That we would see your heart for our polarized and divided world today, God. And that we'd be challenged through your word to grow out of here, Lord, looking more like you, Jesus. So God, take this time that we have together, take my words, use them to encourage, to challenge, and to sharpen us to reflect you better, Jesus. That is my hope and my prayer, Lord. So would you make that happen in our time together this morning? In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is addressing a church that he loves, uh, a church that is at risk of allowing divisions to kind of push, push a, a wedge into their church. And we can learn a great deal uh, from this portion of his letter to the Ephesian church on how we can handle disagreements, division, and polarization. The first thing that we can learn is that division is not a new problem. It's a human problem. Hostility was present in the church Paul is writing to. We see that word of hostility used twice by the Apostle Paul. 
There was tension in the church, people taking sides and stances. Does that sound familiar to anyone today? No? You haven't heard any opinions from other believers? And this tension makes sense if you think about it. This church in Ephesus is mashing together people from different backgrounds. There were Jewish believers coming to faith after centuries of Judaism where they followed 613 laws, where they had traditional hand washings, where they had festivals and celebrations that they celebrated together, foods that they couldn't eat. And they're now convinced that Jesus rose from the dead and they start to follow Jesus. But alongside these Jewish converts, we have Gentiles or non-Jewish converts who also start to follow Jesus. And these people are from completely different backgrounds. Some of them may have worshipped at the pagan temple down the street before, and some of them might have had no clue about the Jewish traditions or laws or ceremonies or festivals. And these two groups now come together to form new communities submitted to Jesus' lordship and following his way. Talk about navigating landmines. Can you imagine what it would be like to have people from completely different backgrounds now coming together to form a new community of following Jesus in his way? And at times we see in the New Testament that these two groups began to look down on one another. Jewish believers looked down on their Gentile counterparts believing that they weren't following enough of the law, that they weren't following Jesus in a correct way while Gentiles looked down on Jewish believers at times, feeling like they were being too restrictive and following too much of the law. Though this is almost 2,000 years old, it reveals an important undercurrent in our polarized world today. At the core of division and polarization, we experience a belief that some people are superior or inferior to others. Let me say that again. At the core of the division and polarization that we experience is a belief that some people are superior or inferior to others. This happens to all of us across different backgrounds and from different upbringings. We all have prejudices or biases, and the vast majority, if not all of us, have been formed by an ism of this world. Classism, racism, sexism, ethnocentrism, ageism. And with our little isms, we begin to build walls between us and other people. Now, I had to borrow my son's toys this morning for this illustration. She is rich. He is on welfare. He is a man. She is a woman. She is black. He is white. He immigrated to this country while her family has been here for generations. She's a boomer. He's a millennial. He is a Christian, she is a Buddhist, and she voted conservative and he voted NDP. (laughs) We build walls between ourselves and other people, and the list could go on with the different blocks that we use to divide ourselves from those that we disagree with. And I think if you were honest about it this morning, we all do this to a certain degree And at times, it can cause us to feel superior or inferior to others based on which side of the wall we find ourselves on. The the first step to healing in our divisive and polarized world is acknowledging this desire in our own hearts. We need to ask ourselves, are there people that I feel better than? Are there people that I feel are inferior to me? based on maybe how they've handled this pandemic, 
or how they wear masks or don't wear masks or how they've got vaccinated or haven't got vaccinated. Are there people that we feel superior to? After we've been real about this in our own hearts, the next step is to repent and to realize that discrimination that makes human beings to be superior or inferior is a dangerous lie and a destructive sin. We have no place to make ourselves feel better than someone else or make others feel worse than us. That is a dangerous lie and a destructive sin. And the first step to dealing with a polarized and divided world is acknowledging this desire in our own hearts to distance ourselves and maybe even cancel those that we disagree with. And at times, we can contribute to this problem of a hostile and divided world. The problems that we face are not just out there, no matter how much we want to try and tell ourselves that. We contribute to the problem at times, too, and build walls between ourselves and others. That leads to the second thing that I want us to see out of the Ephesian text that we read this morning. Jesus came to break down walls, not to build more. Ephesians puts it this way, But now in Christ you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In our house right now, we have an eight-month-old son named Bo. Now, Bo is awesome. Yesterday, he, for a trunk or treat, he was dressed up as spaghetti and meatballs, and Lindsay and I were Lady and the Tramp. It's an adorable costume. You can go check Lindsay's Instagram to see it. Now, one of the things that Bo loves in this season is he loves to move. He does not stop moving. And when we're playing sometimes, we'll do something like set up a car track for him, and he will take the the, the track, instead of playing nicely on it, he will take the track apart and he will smash it everywhere. (laughs) Parents, do you ever get frustrated with how your children play with toys? It's like, it's not supposed to be that way. Come on. The cars go on the track. Anyway, this is my therapy session. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll try and set up this track, and Bo will just smash it, it to pieces. Now, I bring up Bo this morning to illustrate what Jesus came to do to the walls that we use to divide ourselves is not neatly take them apart. He came to Bo smash the toys, to smash the walls. Hey, in the first service, one of the, one of the people fell off. We're doing better today. Jesus came to smash the walls down. I love the way Pastor Rich Villades puts it. The cross of Christ isn't just a bridge that gets us to God. It's a sledgehammer that breaks down the walls that separate us. Jesus' love and peace breaks down the walls and the barriers that we construct and we try to use to separate ourselves from those that we disagree with. In Jesus' days, the walls that divided people were just as, as noticeable and clear for everyone to see as they are today. Walls of class, of race, of gender, among other things. And yet time and time again, Jesus broke through those walls like he was the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might not have thought that you were going to get the Jesus Kool-Aid man comparison today, but welcome to church. The societal barriers that were clear for everyone else to see were invisible to Jesus. Time and time again where there were lines drawn in the sand where you don't talk to those people or you leave those people out, Jesus went across those barriers. He went to prostitutes, to tax collectors, to lepers, and he called them brothers and sisters. Jesus surrounded himself with people who should have been left on the other side of the wall. I love the way Brendan Manning puts it. 
one of the mysteries of the gospel tradition is this strange attraction of Jesus for the unattractive, this strange desire for the undesirable, this strange love for the unlovely. Jesus built a movement of people who should have been separated by the wall, people who should have been separated by all the ways that we separate ourselves from other people today. Where we build walls, Jesus breaks through them and tears them down. And once that wall is down, he doesn't just leave us as two individuals on either side of it. He actually brings us together as a new family. Here's how it's, it's said in that Ephesians text that we read earlier. He did this so that it might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Regardless of where you come from today, you are welcomed into God's household where he is the father. We are brothers and sisters and he is our father. The core of the gospel is not just about individual salvation for you and me. That is a big part of it. But it is a bigger part of making all things new and making all things right that Jesus came to do. It's Jesus' death and resurrection that sets this world on a trajectory towards renewal where all things will be healed and made whole. And God graciously invites us to this work in our futures as well. This work is not just a solo endeavor, but it's a work that we get to join together as the family of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we get to participate in that work right now. We see this new family at work in, early in the Gospels, even in Jesus' calling of his first 12 disciples. Here's, here's a, an example from two of his disciples. Consider Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot. Matthew worked for the government. Simon hated the government. Matthew was a tax collector. Simon was a tax protester. Matthew collected revenue for the Romans. Simon was a rebel against Rome. Matthew was wealthy. Simon was working class. Matthew made a living taking advantage of people like Simon, and Simon made a living trying to kill people like Matthew. Welcome to the 12, guys. <laughs> Despite all these differences, somehow Matthew and Simon were able to remain connected, but it cost them something. Matthew had to stop taking advantage of people like Simon, and Simon had to embrace a different vision of revolution. This is the essence of the new family Jesus was creating. Reconciliation and community will always cost us something, and in Christ, the barriers that separate us can come down in his name. So let me ask you this morning, church, what are you willing to give up for the sake of this new family? What will this new family cost you to stay in relationship with someone else? And are you willing to pay that price? Are you willing to put Jesus at the forefront of this new family and maybe hold your tongue sometimes instead of quickly speaking your opinion? Because this new family is marked, as James puts it, by being slow to speak and quick to listen. Beyond this inner 12, Jesus shared his message with people from different backgrounds, ethnicities, genders, and classes, and he called all of them to join his new family. Where there is division, polarization, and walls being put up around us today, our new family of Jesus is supposed to look different, church. We are supposed to be different. We are called to be a people who join with God's heart and bring his redemption and reconciliation to the whole world. 
God's desire is to reconcile all things to himself. And that's the last thing that I want to highlight from the Ephesians text this morning. Verse 16 puts it this way. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. In the passage out of Ephesians, Paul makes it clear that Jesus didn't just come for religious insiders. He didn't just come for those who had it all together. He came for those who were both near and far. To put it another way from our illustration this morning, he came for people on both sides of the wall. Where we erect walls between ourselves and other people based on the differences that we find, Jesus lovingly reminds us he cares just as much as the other, about the other person on the other side of that wall as he does us. Jesus has come to break down those walls and invites us to the work of breaking down those walls too. And any time that we place a wall between ourselves and view another person as an enemy, we must remember that Jesus cares about both sides of the wall. New Testament scholar Preston Sprinkle emphasizes this point powerfully by talking about Jesus' call to love our enemies. Here's what he says. Jesus' command to love your enemies was the most popular verse in the early church. It was quoted 26 places by 10 different writers in the first 300 years of Christianity, which makes it the most celebrated command among the first Christians. Matthew 5.44 was the so-called John 3.16 of the early church. And enemy love was the hallmark of the Christian faith. Other religions taught that people should love their neighbors. They even taught forgiveness for those who wronged them. But actually loving your enemy? Only Jesus and his followers took love this far. Because this is how far the love of God extends to us. While we were God's enemies, Christ loved us. Christians no longer distinguish between neighbors and enemies. Through the death of Jesus, we are swept up into God's love for all people, even enemies like us. The one who loves his enemies can no longer have any enemies. He is left with only neighbors. When we were on the other side of the wall, Jesus loved us. And he broke through that wall. As Pastor Sean encouraged us earlier, we have a God who is depicted as a father running to us. That is who God is. And in our divided and polarized world, where we have the desire to distance ourselves from others, we are invited into a work of reconciliation, of breaking down walls, of bringing people back together, of bringing people back to God and into a new family. We no longer have enemies because every person is loved by God and created by him with a purpose and a design. He loves each person. And as we follow Jesus, we are invited into joining a new family that is diverse, a new family filled with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners and people from every tribe and tongue. As Ephesians 2 puts it, for he is our peace who made both groups one, and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Church, COVID may have raised tensions. It may have raised hostility amongst us. But Jesus is offering us a better way forward today. Instead of choosing our sides and building walls between us and those that we disagree with, Jesus is showing us a better way forward. He's inviting us to join him in tearing down walls that divide so that people may be welcomed into a new family 
and reconciled to God. Church, how do we deal with a polarized and divided world? We go back to Jesus and his example where he loved you and I even when we were enemies on the other side of that wall. It's what the early church did and it's what made Christianity so attractive even though they were being persecuted, even though they were being killed for their faith, they called one another to love their enemies. How do we deal with the divided world? We love our enemies, church, because they are neighbors that we don't yet know. Would you pray with me this morning, church? Jesus, I thank you that you loved us even while we were your enemies. And God, we may have a whole host of reasons why someone else is our enemy, why we want to distance ourselves from someone, why we want to cancel them and ignore them and push ourselves away. But I just pray that today, Lord, you would cut through those excuses, cut through those reasons, and help us to see those that we disagree with as people made in your image and loved by you. God, where our enemy wants to sow seeds of division and lies and confusion, may we be a people, Lord, marked by your enemy love a people that go out into this world and where there are walls that are put up, we lovingly join you, Jesus, in breaking down those walls and going to the other side. So God, for all of us, help us to have eyes to see this week the people that we maybe feel superior to, the people that maybe we have been unknowingly putting up walls against. and Help us to love them the way that you love us, Lord. Before we ever deserved it, even when we weren't receptive to it, you still loved us, Lord. And so help us to be your people, loving in that way as well. God, you are good, and we are so thankful for your incredible love for us. In your name, Jesus, we pray all of these things. Amen. If you're new to, to faith this morning, and this, this whole idea of God loving you and running to you is brand new, and you want to start this journey of following Jesus, I just encourage you, you can text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113, and it'll just get you in touch with one of our pastors, and you can, you can start that journey of following Jesus. Or you can go uh, also talk to Pastor James. He's going to be in the Welcome Center at the back there. If you're brand new, you can head over there and talk to Pastor James as well. Uh, and on Wednesday evenings, we, we're going to have a, a conversation around this topic. We're going to continue the conversation on Zoom. Uh, and so I encourage you, if you want that link, you